Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is April 23rd. To hear some tell it, April 23rd, 1985 was a day that will live in marketing infamy. On that day, the Coca-Cola company took arguably the biggest risk in consumer goods history, announcing that it was changing the formula for the world's most popular soft drink, and spawning consumer angst the likes of which no business has ever seen. The Coca-Cola company introduced reformulated Coca-Cola, often referred to as New Coke, marketing the first formula change in 99 years. The company didn't set out to create the firestorm of consumer protests that ensued. Instead, the Coca-Cola company intended to re-energize its Coca-Cola brand and the cola category in its largest market, the United States. That firestorm ended with the return of the original formula, now called Coca-Cola Classic, a few months later. The return of the original formula Coca-Cola on July 11, 1985 put the cap on 79 days that would revolutionize the soft drink industry, transform the Coca-Cola company, and stands today as testimony to the power of taking intelligent risks even when they don't quite work out as intended. We set out to change the dynamics of sugar colas in the United States, and we did exactly that, albeit not in the way we had planned, then-chairman and chief executive officer Roberto Gonzuita said in 1995 at a special employee event honoring the 10-year anniversary of New Coke. But the most significant result of New Coke by far, he said, was that it sent an incredibly powerful signal, a signal that we really were ready to do whatever was necessary to build value for the owners of our business. When the announcement of the return of old Coca-Cola was made in July of 1985, those hoarding as many as 900 bottles in their basements could stop their self-imposed rationing and begin to drink the product the way they always had, and as often as they liked. That July day, the story that the old Coca-Cola was returning to store shelves as Coca-Cola Classic led two network newscasts and made the front page of virtually every major newspaper. Consumers applauded the decision, and just two days after the announcement of Coca-Cola Classic, the Coca-Cola company received 31,600 telephone calls to the hotline. Coca-Cola was obviously more than just a soft drink. The events of 1985 changed forever the dynamics of the soft drink industry, and the success of the Coca-Cola company as the Coca-Cola brand soared to new heights, and consumers continued to remember the love they have for Coca-Cola. One of the deadliest fires in American history occurred on this date in 1940. On that fateful evening, a crowd of around 700 people packed Natchez Rhythm Club nightclub to listen to a famous band leader who was set to play one night only as he made his way back to Chicago. In hopes of maximizing his income and preventing anyone from getting a free show, the manager of the club boarded up the windows and the doors. As a result, the only way in or out of the club was through the front door. At that time, the club had been decorated with Spanish moss, which hung from the rafters, but in order to kill the bugs that were known to live in the moss, it was sprayed with a petroleum-based insecticide called FLIT. Tragically, the treated moss was flammable and helped spread a fire that killed 209 people. Many of the victims were buried in a mass grave at a cemetery on the outskirts of town. At the time, the fire was the second deadliest building fire in the United States. 
Ed Frazier, the owner of the Rhythm Nightclub, anticipated a record crowd when he booked Walter Barnes for a special show as they made their way home to Chicago in the spring of 1940. Barnes, who was originally from Vicksburg, Mississippi, was a contemporary of Duke Ellington. His band, known as the Creolans, had not achieved the same status as Ellington's orchestra, but they were very popular and recorded music for Brunswick Records. The Rhythm Nightclub was a large structure with external frames and roofed with corrugated metal. To celebrate Barnes' arrival, Frazier decorated the club with lights and Spanish moss. To kill the bugs burrowed in the moss, he used a petroleum-based insecticide known as Flit and applied it to the decoration. He also added fans to relieve the heat that he expected the large crowd might generate. Both of these measures, combined with the decision to board up the windows of the nightclub, contributed to the disaster that was about to occur. Word of Walter Barnes' arrival spread through the black community in Natchez. As a businessman, Frazier wanted to make sure he took in every penny and boarded the windows to make sure that everyone who wanted to see and listen to the show paid the price of admission. Although the concert was scheduled on a Tuesday evening, more than 700 people paid to hear Walter Barnes' orchestra. The audience included many teenage students and their teachers from Brumfield High School. The audience enjoyed the first hours of the show and danced to the music until late in the evening. Sometime around midnight, a fire that had broken out close to the club's front entrance began to spread through the club. Within minutes, the place was in flames by the flammable insecticide that covered the Spanish moss created both fire and smoke that was spread by the fans. As always happens in a fire like this, the crowd panicked and many people were hurt as they tried to reach the exit. Some tried in vain to tear down the boarded up windows before they were overtaken by smoke. The front doors were the only viable exit, but because they opened inward, the push of the crowd prevented their opening fully and effectively. Hundreds of panicked concertgoers were trapped as the club turned into a furnace. By the time the fire department arrived and extinguished the inferno, 209 people were dead. Many of the victims were in their teens, and the majority died from asphyxiation. Others were trampled to death amid the stampede to the exit to exit the club. The remaining victims were burned beyond recognition. Among the dead were Ed Frazier, Walter Barnes, and many members of Barnes's band. Nearly every African American family in Natchez lost at least one of their family members in the tragic blaze. The Red Cross worked to help survivors. Recovery efforts included acts of interracial collaboration. The streets of the city were packed as funeral processions made their way through the streets of Natchez. In Chicago, more than 15,000 mourners attended the funeral for band leader Walter Barnes. And finally, in 1971, the first decimal coins were making their way into purses throughout Britain in preparation for replacing the current system of pounds, shillings, and pence. The five new pence and ten new pence coins operated alongside the shilling and the florin and will have the same value. They're also about the same size and weight. They caused initial confusion to shoppers, many of whom refused to take them. There was further misunderstanding over the value of a penny. Many thought the new five new penny coin was worth five old pence, when in fact it was worth a shilling or twelve old pence. Others, though, took the new money in their stride. I suppose it will take a bit of getting used to, said one newspaper seller in the city of London, but I don't think it will bother me at all. I've seen the pictures in the papers, and it looks pretty simple to me. But a fruit seller was concerned that the new two new coins were being brought in ahead of the full range of decimal currency. People get used to a 10-penny piece being worth 24 pence, and then they'll have to change their ideas, he said. Two of London's biggest stores have given special training to staff in the use of the new coins. One supermarket manager was optimistic about his customers' attitudes to the changeover. I think they more or less adjusted right away, he said. I think, though, they intend to regard them as shilling and two shilling pieces rather than five and ten pence at this time. I think it will take longer. He added that it would be another six months before price tags changed to reflect the new currency, warning of absolute chaos if the change happened overnight. 
About 15 million 10 pence coins and 20 million 5 pence coins will be issued to begin with, all small fraction of the number of shillings and florins in circulation. Lord Fisk, chairman of the Decimal Currency Board, said the coins would be in the minority in tills and in change for a long time. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeople'sHistory.com Coca-Cola's New Coke at Coca-ColaCompany.com Rhythm Nightclub Fire at TheCleo.com and UK Decimalization at News.BBC.CO.UK The music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing, as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.